I'm off, which is lovely. So I try to be quite productive on my days off. So I've, I've done a wash, I've been for a walk, got a nice coffee and oh, yes. I need to do a wee bit of training after this. So yeah, busy enough day. But I think the priority question there is where are you getting the nice coffee? Yeah. So I got it from 5A. Okay. That sounds there. familiar. Down yes. Coffee. So it's um, Stramillis. Yes, I've been there. Yeah, down by Cutter's Wharf. Yeah, so it's it's doing takeaway, um, and it's like literally one of my favorite places. So we so didn't actually realize what it was whenever we went there. Um, Greg, my husband, he was given in a visa to the British. No, I don't know some of those embassy things or something, um, and he had to go and get that sorted. It was up around Strand. And he was really early for his appointment because we came from Kilkayla up to Belfast. So like we weren't okay. sure about traffic. Um, and we were driving about and I was like, where can we go to around here? And we just saw this place with like like a really monkey looking shutter. Not even a shutter. <laughs> what do you call it? Like a oh, on the, awning. Yes. Awning. yes. Yeah. And I was like, there's people in there. What is that? <laughs> so we went in and like, it was class. It was I so know. good. It's so tiny, but it's like, it's literally one of my favorite wee coffee shops in Belfast. Yeah, so. brilliant. And to be honest, what drew me in was the fact that there was a lovely big dog outside. Yes, <laughs> they they are really keen to have dogs outside the place. And like, it works. One, yeah, one of my friends got a, like a pup, like a wee cockapoo. And oh. like, it was quite a, a windy day and like the cockapoo was sitting outside and the owner came out and was just like, you can come in, you can bring the dog in, it's fine. So like we had the wee cockapoo in under the table, so cute. <laughs> oh, lovely. Oh, I love that. Always on the hunt for dog-friendly places for death. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, oh, so, oh my goodness, well, normally I would say like, mm, she would destroy the place, but see this past week, she has the best dog. I don't know what's happened. It's like yeah, somebody's she like- still destroy the place. Replaced it, well, she did. Yeah, she lulled me into a false sense of security the last time, and then my sofa happened. So, Claire, you won't have seen this, but like, I had an Insta post up. She has her own Instagram. It's it's oh, called wow. Canala Bear because she's like she's called Nala, but we call her Canala Bear, like a koala. Anyway. <laughs> what sort of dog is she? She's a golden retriever, and she annihilated my sofa. Like no, yeah. Yeah, it was it was traumatizing, but it wasn't actually as bad as it looked. But like, there's one photo on Insta, and I accidentally put it on my own Facebook as well because I had put it on her Instagram, and mm-hmm. um, because yes, I'm one of those. And <laughs> that's and totally it, acceptable. Yeah, it's <laughs> we love that content. <laughs> but it automatically uploaded to my Facebook then as well. It shared to my Facebook, okay. and I didn't mean to. So like, the whole of the local area. Anytime they were talking to me, they were like, you're so fat. Oh, my word. Because nobody knows her Instagram, really. Yeah. They yeah. Go, oh, I was mortified. Oh, I'm sure you'd be more disappointed in the, the sofa being ruined. Yeah, it was my first big adult purchase, too. The first thing I ever bought with, like, proper money. And I was like, why? Why don't you destroy your dad's stuff? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, so tell us this this busy, keeping busy, but your actual life is busy. Like you're not like the rest of us. Yeah, life is very busy at the minute. I feel like it's almost more busy than it was before all of this. <laughs> um yeah. so I suppose for me, I'm like obviously still working. So I'm doing 
I'm kind of jealous of people that aren't working. I know people are working from home, but I'm kind of jealous of the people that are furloughed at the minute who are just sitting, chilling, having a great time, like picking up new skills and begging and all that sort of stuff. But I suppose at the same time, it is good that I'm getting out to work and I am thankful that I'm able to get out and see other people and yeah, have, have more chatting um, with, with different, different people around the place. Um, but yeah, give no, us a wee lowdown of what, what you actually do and then anybody yeah. who's listening can kind of go from there. Yeah, so I am working as a doctor in the Ulster Hospital a at the minute. Um, so I'm working as a locum doctor, which means I'm literally like, I, I'm quite flexible with how many shifts I work each week. It's kind of similar to, I was listening to your podcast with Catherine. So it's similar to bank nursing or like oh, okay. sub teaching. So it's similar to that where you, you pick your shifts. So I'm, I'm picking up a number of shifts each week. So I'm doing like three or four, 10 hour shifts each week, which it doesn't sound like a lot. Um, do it no, just that does. Okay. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and like in A and E, I suppose the shift it, it does feel quite long. Um, because normally on medical wards we would be doing up to twelve hour shifts and, and they go quite quickly. Um and I suppose in A and E it does go quickly, but it's more I find it more draining than other parts of medicine because you're always constantly seeing new patients and making decisions. Whereas on the wards you're kind of in more of a team um and you have like your consultant and your registrar and lots of p- different people around you who can kind of share the workload whereas a and is a wee bit more um you have to motivate yourself and go and see people and make all the decisions yourself and um, so yeah that's kind of a little bit about where i'm working um, and i suppose i've been there from december of last year so it's I've been there nearly nearly six months now. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying it to an extent. Um, I do find it stressful, um, and I'm not sure that A&E is where I want to do the rest of my career in medicine. But um, yeah, no, it's good for now. And even like, it's, I'm enjoying the fact that we're kind of on the front line and seeing all the COVID stuff. Um, I guess we're kind of the first people that. Um, the public are coming in to see um, and we've had to do like a lot of different preparations over the past couple of months um, and it's just been interesting getting that side of it and then also hearing the news and like what the general public are hearing as well so I quite like having that um, that little bit of inside knowledge. Mm-hmm. Is there much of a difference between what you can see and what you hear? Um, I think at the start um, there was a lot of emphasis being put on um, staying away from hospital. And I think there was a lot of fear factor with COVID um, mm-hmm. at the start. And that meant that like in the hospital, we were so quiet, like for the first few weeks, um, we were like competing over a patient to see, like there, there just wasn't enough work for all of us. I think at that point as well, they had brought in extra doctors because they were like, okay, the surge could happen anytime and we could be completely overrun. But that never really came. We've kind of just been bumping along numbers wise um, and it hasn't been too hectic. So I suppose at the start, we were just like, there's all this hype about COVID and we are probably the quietest we've been ever. So it just, it seemed a bit strange at that point and a bit eerie for, for a lot of us that were, that were working there. And we were just like, 
we wanted to go back to normal. Like this, this isn't right. Like surely there's people out there who are sick who aren't coming to any. Yeah. Um, but definitely over the past few weeks, we've seen it come back to normal. So we are seeing more people coming up. I think the fear factors kind of come down a bit. Maybe people have just got bored of COVID and just um, aren't as bothered by it. Um, there's definitely still people coming up saying, I don't want to be here. Um, but no, we're seeing people coming in with problems that uh, maybe should be seen by their GP. But then, of course, GPs aren't really able to see people as they normally would at the minute. So, yeah, we're getting we're getting a lot of that and we're getting a lot of quite sick people as well. So it's mm. it's tough enough at the minute. Um, it's pretty, pretty hectic. Yeah, I would say so. And with regards to the COVID thing, do you think that people are overacting or is... Is there a wee bit of complacency sort of setting in now after, what, 10 weeks? Uh, I've sort of noticed just being about, you know, driving to the shop or whatever, there's just so many people all the time. Yeah. Like, there doesn't seem to be that much change, really, apart from not going to work. Yeah, no, I've definitely noticed that in the past probably two to three weeks that yeah. there's more people about. And even whenever I'm driving into work, there's now there there are queues of traffic which there hadn't been for for the first month or the first six weeks, um. So there have been times whenever I've been like, oh, I'm going to be late for work because there's a lot of traffic on the road here. So yeah, no, there's definitely more people out and about. I think there probably is a bit of complacency setting in, but I can completely understand it. Like, if if I'd been at home for this length of time, like for everyone, everyone's in the same boat right now. Um, we're all kind of, I think we're all a bit bored of it now. Um, and we're just ready for things to go back to normal. But obviously, as we're seeing in the news, um, it's going to take quite a bit of time for things to, to get back to a more normal um, level with everything. Um, but yeah, I, I think it is really important to stress that now is not the time to become complacent because that's where we're going to see exactly exactly yeah and that is what could happen with with this phased plan that's that's come out in the past week and like we could potentially see the numbers increase and then come back down again and increase and come back down again and I think that's kind of the plan isn't it like they were hoping to kind of increase herd immunity in that sense exactly yeah and not overwhelm the NHS yeah so that's what we want to try and avoid and I think that probably is going to happen with having small peaks and and like with that we we did see a peak there over the past few weeks and we were able to deal with it okay so obviously there have been a lot of deaths as well and and it's really sad for the families that are affected but and I think as Northern Ireland as a whole have been doing really well um, in trying to keep this um, at as low a level as possible and, and not trying to um, not being overwhelmed with it yeah that's kind yeah. of the main thing plus you don't end up losing your your staff as well exactly yeah yeah we've had we've had quite a few um quite a few of my colleagues have been off with covid over the past couple of months um, and a lot of them have come back in after their week off and have been totally fine and there's others who who have been in hospital with it um, and again they have they have recovered so we thankfully had a few who've had it and are back and have recovered well so hopefully yes. that's um, the outcome for the majority of people that get it 
Yeah, hopefully. So I don't for, know if it's for like... people who go ahead. Sorry, go on. Yeah. <laughs> for people who who don't have it now, I suppose the best is everybody's frozen for me. Is everybody still here? Yeah, I'm still here. Yeah, yeah still here. That's okay. Everybody just froze there, I thought. Um for people who don't have it and people who are at home, what are the best preventative measures apart from staying at home? I was listening to a few people and they were saying that it obviously has a lot to do with your breathing, but also has a lot to do with your immune system and trying to keep your immune system as healthy as possible. What's the what's the best way for, for us to do that from a medical point of view? Um, like immune system wise, it's kind of just having a healthy balanced diet. Um getting enough sleep and getting a bit of exercise as well and um, it's kind of the simple things that that everyone knows they should be doing to have a healthy life and um, so it's literally those things like I know there's certain people that would say about certain vitamins and minerals you should be taking and all that sort of stuff but really it's having a healthy balanced life doing all the right things with getting enough sleep getting at least eight hours a night and getting out to get some sort of exercise every day um, yeah those would be the main things and then obviously with COVID one of the massive things is just about washing your hands like again simple simple measures but those are the things that make the difference yeah I suppose from from what you said there the people who are most at risk are your your health workers who aren't be, aren't being able to get the eight hours sleep and have that have as much exercise as everybody else everybody else has the has the ability to lie in now and yeah I go suppose for, go for your big one lot one walk a day yeah well I feel quite um lucky at the minute because I suppose I'm just doing three or four shifts a week so I am still able to um to get my exercise done and, and fit it in and I suppose with um the training that I'm doing I'm kind of forced into doing it a wee bit at times mm. um like I would even say my motivation to to train at the minute is probably a lot lower than it normally would be and for me that's just that's not normal because I love training and mm-hmm. um, it's something that I'm used to doing every day. Um, but yeah, I've also been trying to focus a bit more on getting enough sleep. Um, so I suppose not putting as much pressure on myself to get up early and go and be really productive. I'm trying to have a bit more time resting, recovering. Um, so no, I, I've actually been getting really good sleep over the past few weeks oh, okay and it's something good. i have kind of been prioritizing so yeah no i'm feeling pretty good for it good good you want to maybe um go in a wee bit to the training yeah. tell us a bit about that and what it's for i think it's class <laughs> yeah so i play rugby um with Ooh. ireland and i suppose at the minute we we would have been just at the end of our season um, I've been playing with them now for the past four years and yeah I, I suppose I started playing rugby whenever I was in upper sixth at school and ever since then it's kind of the only sport that I played like I would have done a bit of hockey and football and athletics and a bit of everything through school and um, but yeah rugby once once I started playing rugby it was the only sport I wanted to play so um yeah, I've played it all through uni and I've, as I said, I've been with Ireland now for the past four years. Um, so yeah, this season I haven't actually really played that much because um, I got injured last May, almost a year ago now, um, and had surgery on my ankle. So 
Oh. I've had a pretty frustrating season. I've only played two and a half games this year, which has been really tough. <laughs> um, so I spent most of my year doing rehab and running and trying to get back into rugby, but then kind of flaring my ankle up. So it's been a really frustrating season. So I guess for me, the COVID thing has kind of come at a good time where I'm not able to play rugby. So I'm just focusing on rehab and getting my ankle mm-hmm. right. Yeah, but it also mean, like it means that I'm, I'm I'm training probably more than I was before because I'm doing like four or five rehab sessions a week on top of then my gym sessions and my running sessions. And then I've bought a, an exercise bike as well, which I've been using quite a bit. So yeah, I'm probably training way a bit too much. <laughs> You're going to be like the it. Incredible Hulk by the end of the month. <laughs> I know, that's what I said to people. I was like, I'm going to be fitter coming out of this pandemic than I was before. <laughs> Gosh, the rest of us have replaced the first vial with a different one there instead. <laughs> I suppose that's what you want. I suppose that is what you want. Um, yeah, I, th- I think there's one or two ways of coming out of it. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. They say like so, the bikini bod and the winter bod are a thing, but lockdown bod is a proper, yeah, it's a thing. That's an issue. <laughs> yeah, so so how did you start out? Obviously, you don't, you know, not everybody gets to go and play for Ulster in Ireland. So you start out with a, with a local club or in your lower sixth or upper sixth in school. And then how did you progress on from there? Um, yeah, so I started out playing tag rugby in school. So that was whenever I was doing GCSEs, started that and then absolutely loved it. And my local club, Balamone, started up a women's team then whenever I was in upper sixth. So I joined that. And from then on, I was just like, oh my goodness, I love being able to like run into people and tackle. And I just absolutely love the physicality aspect of it. I don't know what, maybe it was growing up with two brothers. (laughs) Like a hilarious total opposite to hey, I'm in any doctor. I know how real ones. I know it's a bit mad. Um, yeah, she'll but break was... your leg and then help you in any. <laughs> yeah. It's funny though, but like on the pitch, I would be quite aggressive and quite physical, but off the pitch, I'm so soft. I'm like, I'm really like I, I I don't even know how I would describe myself off the pitch but like I'm you wouldn't think on meeting me that I'm I'm gonna play rugby and that I'm gonna hurt people at the weekends <laughs> um but yeah um I suppose I started playing with Balamoni then um whenever I turned 18 and then was moving up to Belfast for uni and at that point I kind of had to make the choice between rugby and hockey because hockey would have been my main sport before I started playing rugby. And like rugby was just like, there, it was a no brainer for me. I was just like, I love this game. It's what I want to play. So that first year, whenever I was at Queens, um, I got onto the Ulster squad and got my first three caps with Ulster. Um, I kind of couldn't believe that at that point because I'd only played proper rugby for the past year. And, um, so it's kind of like, this doesn't feel like I deserve it. Like, I don't think I should be here. It was kind of like imposter syndrome where I was like, surely I'm going to get found out here. This, this can't be right. And I, I suppose that that's kind of me in a nutshell. Like, I, I never think that I can do something until I've done it, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and then I suppose the same thing kind of happened with Ireland like I, I never thought that I would be good enough to play for Ireland um, but then just through uni um, I suppose I did medicine so the first three years were were pretty busy and then I took a year out to do um, it's called an intercalated degree so I did like a BSc within a year and that meant that I was kind of a normal student I wasn't a medical student I wasn't on placement like nine to five Monday to Friday I was only in class like 10 hours a week so I had like a lot more time that year to train and like I kind of found my love for the gym in that year and kind of got into CrossFits um, so yeah during that year I got a lot fitter and a lot stronger and that really I think that's kind of where my journey towards Ireland began because then I was becoming more of an athlete and it really added to my rugby then because I was stronger I was fitter I was faster and um, and yeah it was the year following that then that I initially got onto the Ireland squad um, and couldn't really believe it and like to be fair that first year I was on the training squad but I didn't actually get to play um, I knew I wasn't quite good enough. There were certain skills that I had to work on. And like at that point, I was, I was playing as a centre and my passing wasn't great. I was just really physical and ran some good lines. And that was okay. kind of, and I was a good athlete. So I think those are the things that had got me noticed by, by the coaches. Um, yeah. But yeah, there were definitely certain things I knew I had to go away and work on. So I did that. I was told by the coaches, yeah, these are your work on. So I went away and tried to to better myself and then it was the following year and I got my first cap and um, so that was in 2016 and um, like was that was, so that was against Italy in six nations and um, I actually thought I was gonna get my first cap against England so it was in the November internationals in 2015 it was the first autumn international ever played like within women's rugby and we had traveled over to Twickenham for it. And I was on the bench and I was like, oh my goodness, I'm going to get my first cap against England. This is amazing. And I was an unused sub. So you spend like the whole match getting up, warming up. Like your heart rate is just sitting at like 120 the whole time because you're just so nervous and you're so like so much adrenaline pumping through you. And then to not get on, I was like, oh, okay, this isn't going to happen. And like my parents had come over to it and my brother had come over and like a couple of my friends had come down to the match. And that was like a real disappointment for me. But I think mm. that kind of spurred me on. And I was like, do you know what? I just need to go and keep working and get better so that I am going to be that choice and that I'm going to be needed. And so, yeah, then came around to Six Nations in, and in February. I thought I was going to be playing in the first match against Wales. And the weekend before that match, I started getting palpitations. And it was during um, Irish training that happened. And then I ended up having to get a procedure done on my heart the week that I was meant to play against Wales. So I was like, this is never meant to happen for me. <laughs> but thankfully, three weeks later, um, I'd recovered from the procedure and managed to get on the pitch and got to play against Italy. So yeah. That was my that was my road to the first cap. <laughs> so how many weeks was that between Wales and Italy? I think it was three weeks. Yeah. Hard palpitations. Oh, you are tight. <laughs> <laughs> it 
it does seem a bit mental like thinking back on it I was like what was I thinking maybe I should have just you know given myself a few months break and (laughs) and then come back once once my body was like good to go but no I was just so relieved to get that first cap I'm sure I love the mindset of wanting to play against England that would have been the year before they won the World Cup two years before they won the World Cup so you would have been playing Emily Scarlett and players players like that yeah yeah I would have wanted to run the other way (laughs) for sure see Um, like with with England um I felt like there was some sort of thing that I wasn't ever meant to play England so in the following few years so obviously I didn't play them in that autumn international didn't play them in the Six Nations because I'd missed that game um, the following year I got injured before we played them I wasn't selected for the next one and then I was like I'm never going to play against England and it wasn't until I moved positions so this was fast forward to I think it was 2018 and in the autumn internationals um, we played USA and then we were due to play England two weeks later and in the USA match I was on the bench as a centre um, and came on I think I only got 15 minutes at the end of that match and in the interim two weeks I had gotten a phone call from the coach I'd initially gotten a text saying Claire are you free for a chat I was like oh no I've got these texts before this means I'm dropped and I was like yep I'm free so got on the phone expecting um, a letdown and he basically said to me look we want to have you on the team, but we want to bring you as a back row. And I was like, right, okay. So I'm going to be playing against England in a position that I've never played before for Ireland and never trained for before with Ireland. This is a bit mental. Yeah. <laughs> um, you so, you yeah. definitely need to be a physical player. Yeah, yeah. And I think, to be fair, like, I think I should have been playing in the back row for the past number of seasons and I really wish that I'd moved to that position um, earlier than I did. Um, but it was actually, it was my Ulster coach that had initially kind of forced my hand and forced me into playing. So I was playing seven and eight during the okay. interprovincial matches that year. Okay. And I suppose the Irish coaches had seen those performances, but they knew, no, she's played centre before, so we'll keep her as a centre um, within mm-hmm. the Ireland setup. But yeah, that was kind of where I then transitioned to a back row within Ireland. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. And how, how did you see the change? Was there much change in how you trained? Um, or was it, was it just the change in ball skills and, and things like that? Yeah, I, I didn't really see a massive change. Yeah, that, that was probably one of the main things that I worked on um, in moving from centre to back row was um, getting in over the ruck. Um, and trying to poach a bit more um, mm-hmm. like I suppose as a centre that is something that you, you should be able to do um, but it wasn't really a huge part of my game so it was something I, I did really work on um, but training wise like all the gym stuff was pretty much the same um, running wise I massively noticed the difference going from centre to back row that in the back row you just run all the time and you're just absolutely wrecked. You know that whenever you go into a match, you're going to come out of it not being able to walk. Whereas <laughs> I suppose in the centre, you you like do a sprint and then 
you can kind of have a rest for a while while the forwards have a scrum or have a line out or you're just like standing waiting for the next phase to happen whereas in the forwards it's a completely different mindset where you're just constantly going constantly looking for what your next move is and what ruck you need to hit next when you're going to carry the ball like it's just it's all action and I think that's why I love it yeah I I can see why you would be fitted pretty well to the back row because yeah well your physicality and you seem to just have an engine that doesn't stop yeah I think that that might be part of my problem though um with with everything (laughs) I just want to like go 100% um and yeah I think at times that has worked to my detriment like where even in a match where I'd be hitting every single ruck and then never getting to carry the ball because I'm just stuck in the bottom of a ruck yeah (laughs) um but no I, I absolutely love it so oh well that's good um looking looking back to your first game against Italy um what do you remember of that coming on playing your first game for Ireland what would that be like? Um, so I remember standing singing um, Ireland's Call at the start of the game and looking up at the crowd and just thinking, oh my goodness, this is mental. <laughs> <laughs> um, I suppose I did have that same feeling um, in, in that Twickenham match um, that I didn't actually play in. But then mm. whenever I actually got onto the pitch, it was honestly just a feeling of relief. So I was really, really nervous sitting on the bench. And then once I got onto the pitch, it was just like relief throughout my body. I was just like, oh my goodness, I've finally done this. And then I was like, oh, flip, right. I have to play rugby here. <laughs> and like within the first two minutes, I got my hands on the ball and and that was it. Like, I, I don't I even... Down. Yeah, it was... Um, I remember the move as well. So I'd come on at 13 and it was literally just... Uh, a dummy switch pop so that was where 10 switches with 12 and then I was running the pop line and I got through a gap and it's like oh my goodness I could score on my first touch <laughs> but I get pulled down five meters out and I was like okay that's good that's the first thing done <laughs> yeah, it's a good start so it's like, definitely definitely a memorable start <laughs> oh yeah I don't think I really did much else in that game but yeah I was happy with, no I was happy with how it started um, but yeah brilliant. even having like my family and having a few friends there as well was was pretty special yeah and that game was in Italy no it was in Donnybrook it was Donnybrook Donnybrook, yeah and we we'd beaten them 14-3 as well so it was always good to always good to get a win get a win but then 2017 the uh, Rugby World Cup came to Belfast yep the Women's Rugby World Cup um you were in the squad I was yes How'd that feel to be in the the biggest the biggest women's rugby tournament in the world and it being in Belfast or Ireland? So it was pretty special. Um, not gonna lie. <laughs> um, that whole year running up to World Cup, I suppose, was just all about preparing for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was my first year working as a doctor as well. So looking back on it, um, that year nearly killed me. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was pretty horrendous. I was working full time and then going down to Dublin every like pretty much every weekend for training, and um, and like having to swap a serious amount of shifts to try and get time off for all the training that we had. And um, 
so yeah, that that year was was pretty tough. So whenever I managed to get on to the World Cup squad, I was like, oh my goodness, yes, this is actually all paying off. This is great. Um, and I suppose with having it in in Ireland, in Dublin, and in Belfast, it felt like there was quite a lot of pressure on us to perform. Um, so like looking back on the World Cup, it's a time that like I'm I'm proud that I was part of that, but we didn't really perform well as a squad. Like we came eighth out of twelve and we didn't automatically qualify for the next World Cup. So like yes, it was great to be part of that, but it also feels like a real disappointment. Um and it's something that I really want to like do again. So I, I want to be part of the next World Cup and I want to be able to have a better experience um, even for me personally so within that squad there were 28 of us um, which meant that for each match only 23 got selected which meant there were five girls who were on what was called the high bench so that meant we weren't involved in the match at all so we still had a part to play in getting the rest of the team ready for the match but um, it just it didn't feel the same you weren't part of the match day squad you weren't preparing to play you were you were still there and you were important but it just wasn't the same so for me I was that person um on the high bench in four out of the five matches so I actually only got to play in one match during the world cup and like at the time I remember like for most of those three weeks I I probably cried nearly every day <laughs> and that sounds really sad but looking back like that whole year running up to world cup was like was really tough and i was just like i have done all this work i've got to this point and then i'm not actually getting what i want out of it um but yeah no like that all sounds very negative i did have a great experience during the world cup and like as a squad we got really tight because we all came together and we're like we're not performing well but we need to get something out of this we need to have a good time together and like we did, we, we had a great time and um, yeah, we didn't perform well rugby wise, but it was great to, to be able to play in Dublin and in Belfast and have like my family and, and friends and everyone there. So yeah, yeah, I'm sure. mixed emotions. Yeah, I'm sure. The, the next one's, is it next year? 27, yeah. 2021, yeah. 2021, yep. And where is it? So it's in New Zealand. New Zealand. Oh, class. Yeah. So that's also a reason I really want to go to it. <laughs> yeah, I'm so sure. we still have to qualify for that. We were due to have World Cup qualifiers in September of this year. So we would have been starting back into training in mid-June and going on a tour in July, August time in preparation for the World Cup qualifiers in September. So we don't actually know when that's going to happen, when it's going to be rescheduled to, I suppose, with everything it's all a bit up in the air and um, not knowing when we're even going to be able to be back training together as a squad um, yeah. but yeah it's it's difficult to know how the next year is going to pan out rugby wise I guess it's, yeah. it's one of the last things probably on the when you look at the five phases contact sport is is one of the last it's so the last thing, yeah mm-hmm. uh, well hopefully hopefully we'll get to see in the 21 World Cup uh, have you ever played New Zealand? Yes, so I played New Zealand in 
it was it was the Autumn Internationals one year. We okay. played England, Canada, and New Zealand that year, and I actually played on the wing in that game. Okay. And my first, <laughs> so talking about my first cap, the the first thing I did in that match was running a lovely line. In this New Zealand game, um, I was running a line on the wing and their centre had completely lined me up. So as the ball just got into my hands, I got absolutely dump tackled and winded on my first touch oh. of the ball. <laughs> And there's there's a great set of pictures of me getting lifted off the ground, and you can see like my ribs getting like crunched into the grass. <laughs> I'll send them on to you. They're good. Yeah, pictures. definitely do. Definitely do. Yeah. At least you've got the memories of it. Yeah, it's a pretty <laughs> yeah. vivid memory. Yeah. Yeah, very vivid. Yeah, so they they beat us quite convincingly that day. Mm. Um, but I know it was pretty special playing them just because New Zealand is such a rugby mad country, and yeah. even standing in front of the Hacker. Um, it was, yeah, it was pretty that's cool. That's what I was going to yeah. ask. How does it feel like to actually stand in front of Haga? Because whenever you, you hear the rugby players talking about it, they say, if they lose the game, they say they had us beat by the end of the Haga. It's just yeah, such I, a mental a mental overpowering of the other team. Yeah, like, it's maybe different for the men. I think with the women's Haga, it's not mm. quite as aggressive. Yeah. Um, so for me, I kind of was standing watching it and enjoying it, mm-hmm. um, but I wasn't like intimidated by it. Okay. So you send that on to them and tell them, <laughs> tell them you said Work that. A bit harder, guys. <laughs> no, no, maybe don't. Maybe don't. <laughs> after twenty twenty one. Yeah. Maybe after. then. Yeah. 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 That's interesting. To, that's interesting to hear. But I suppose there's a big difference between the men's and the women's. Yeah. Um, yeah. How how they do it. Um, but I, I the only I'm obviously watched quite a, quite a lot of rugby. But the one hag that always stands out for me is the one, the when the Irish men finally beat the All Blacks, um, the match after is it is Anthony Foley's passing, yeah, um, over in that, Chicago, yeah, in Chicago that was from watching on TV. You can always sort of feel the hacker and see see what's going on. You can see the emotion in the players, but that one was just different. Um, I know it would have been amazing to to be able to feel that or even even be be in the stadium. I assume I assume you weren't there for the men's matches. I, I see that you travel for a few of the men's matches. Yeah, no, I wasn't there for for that game. Um, but yeah, even like watching that on TV, you did really get a feel that there was just something different about that yeah. Ireland team. And I think it was from that initial like the eight that they formed yeah. whenever the hacker was being done. Like I think. It just seemed to really gel. I don't know if the team was more gelled together or what it was, like considering Axel had passed. Like I don't know if it was to do with that. Mm. Um, but no, it just seemed like they were like a real cohesive unit that day. Um, yeah. Yeah. I suppose no, that's that what you're what match. you're aiming for with the, the woman's squad that hopefully in twenty one you all pull together and put a put a string of good performances together. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think even in the Six Nations past, there we have mm. been showing that we're doing we're doing a lot better. We're playing more expansive rugby. Um, I think it's better to watch. Um, I think mm. we did get quite um, prescriptive um, over the past couple of seasons, and it was quite easy to to work out what we were going to do next. So, 
Um, no, I think with the coaching setup we've got at the minute um, and the girls we have on the squad, it's, it's quite an exciting team to be part of. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think like over the next season, over the next year or so, hopefully we'll keep, keep going with that and just keep improving. Um, but no, it's really, it's a fun group of girls to be part of. So I think whenever you're enjoying each other's company and enjoying the rugby, that really makes a difference. And I'm totally yeah. seeing like it's black and white between now and what I'd experienced back during the World Cup. So hopefully that will help and that'll it'll push us forward in our, our rugby performances. Absolutely. That sounds great. Um Amy Amy doesn't really watch very much. I, have you ever watched the rugby match? <laughs> She's been quite quiet. Been this quiet yeah. in a podcast. <laughs> yeah. It's usually Amy starts talking and I sort of listen on for a while, but I've always been a bit quiet. Yeah, um, I have planned to go and watch rugby, but haven't actually. Um, I used to, well, I used to watch the school rugby, but that might be because certain people were playing that I've now married. So, you know, (laughs) yeah, it wasn't really the right reason. Um, not, um, Not a sport that I have watched, but then I'm not really a sports person anyway, unless it's like a big thing. So only like the, the last Olympics couple of years. Yeah, so like I've watched, I don't even watch some of those. Like I like the gymnastics because it's pearly. Mm. And <laughs> I'm not even like a super girly girl. I'm just not a super sporty girl. Um, and I, I'm quite impressed with like the, some of the swimming, you know, like the double teams and stuff like that. And I did totally jump on the bandwagon with the Euros. Um, but like also not really interested in football either. That would have probably been the most fun because that I would have been interested in as a kid I would have been like big into football and then hit high school and I was like nah so mm-hmm. yeah just the last couple of years I'd be picking up on like some things do the one that makes sport you should get on that it took over GB whenever they were doing the Winter Olympics it's curling have you ever watched curling I'm not gonna watch people brushing curling ice. is unbelievable <laughs> seriously curling is unreal I remember whenever we were in school the Winter Olympics were on we cancelled Mad's class to sit with the teacher and watch curling. It, it, it was so gripping. I don't understand why. I just no, like. No, I don't. I don't understand that. No, I, <laughs> like it's unbelievable. Like it's like, but it's, I suppose it is similar to bowls. It is similar, but like, it's so much better. Yeah, there's certain sports that I just don't get. Like, well, I suppose cricket's one of them, but maybe it's because I don't really understand it. I know some people do watch it and love it. Yeah, um, and like darts, I don't really see darts as being a proper sport, but I know a lot of people will disagree with that. Again, yeah, we'll not get into that one. That's controversial. No. That one. Yeah, yeah. No, I think I'm just um, very biased towards rugby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, are there other sports? If you didn't play rugby, it would have been hockey then. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, like you I do kind of miss. Uh, at the minute, no, no, mm. um, no other or sports, but. Um, so I did hockey, played a bit of football at school as well, and did athletics. So I would have done like the relay and discus and the high jump. Oh, I can ever... I can join in with you there. I did the javelin okay. and I was good at that. <laughs> <laughs> There's something there for everyone something in athletics. <laughs> <laughs> nice. The javelin, I always find the javelin really hard. Like oh, actually, I don't know why. Do. I was really, really good at it. 
I always got called to dance sports day. It was like the only thing. And then I was raging that I couldn't match school in sports day because they were looking for me. But um, <laughs> it was the one thing that I could actually do. The rest of it, no, nothing. But like javelin, I was like, I'm going to stab that ground. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds quite aggressive. Maybe you should yes. try rugby. Maybe I should try. I think it should be okay. <laughs> Maybe she's a psychopath. Maybe. <laughs> one of the two. Oh, do a bit of both. Um, okay, that's but, so yeah. good though. Like that, you've got like abilities and all those kind of different ones. Okay, I wouldn't you do say. Generally... I well, wouldn't say I'm very good at any of the rest of them. But you I would think... find like you're either you're that kind of person. Do you know that you you can appreciate? Maybe you don't have all of the skills for all of them, but like you can appreciate all the different aspects, and there's something that's going to transpose between the different things oh yeah like I'd say if you're fit you're fit I'd say from playing all the different sports it's definitely been transferable into rugby um I suppose uh, yeah I always have been fit um and like the hand-eye coordination that discus is bound to help (laughs) definitely yeah (laughs) discus was the main one that helped me get where I am today gonna be that's your quote for the day ryan <laughs> yeah so discus makes rugby players okay <laughs> no but i actually think um like for children growing up i think sports are so important and like Definitely. i guess i was kind of thrown into everything even like through primary school i wasn't very good at any sports um i would have been very academic and that's kind of what i focused on through primary school and then it was whenever i got to secondary school like kind of got into all the different sports but um I guess I still did do a little bit of football at primary school and I did I actually did Irish dancing through primary school mm. as well um, that's a lot of strength in that yeah so I'd say those those couple of things definitely did help me and living on a farm I suppose I was always out and about running wrestling around. my sheep wrestling <laughs> my sheep wrestling with the brothers yeah so <laughs> It was fine yeah. to have it. <laughs> but I think all those things are so important and like helping you grow and develop as, as a person. So yeah. um, I know for me, like rugby has taught me so much more than even just the physical aspects. Like I've learned so much that's even fed into my medical career as well, just with learning about dealing with difficulty and how to communicate with people and leadership and teamwork, all those sorts of things that just naturally happen in sports they really contribute to other parts of your life as well so yeah I've I've gotten a lot out of out of playing rugby and out of playing sports sounds like it Um, yeah so I think I've got one more question is that done I have a crying youngster so I'm gonna mute (laughs) I wasn't sure if the dog or the child um (laughs) that's awkward um (laughs) One more. I always, I always end with one question, and it has. Well, actually, I'll, I'll go for another question before that. Um, outside of rugby and the medical career, what do you do to in your downtime to relax? Um, and going to the gym doesn't count. <laughs> well, that that would be one of the things. Um, training is one of the things that like helps me unwind. But no, there's there's other things as well. Um, so I guess I love being in the outdoors I love going for a walk and I love hiking as well and me and my boyfriend Johnny would 
go and do the odd hike um, and like we went to Canada this time last year we were in Canada and just spent like two weeks hiking through British Columbia and it was the best time ever um, so yeah walking and hiking um, would be some of the things and then I suppose just going out for a nice coffee having a chat with friends or like going out having a coffee and doing admin I love going and sitting on my own in a coffee shop with a laptop and just yeah in in a weird way like I think it's the organization side of it I love being organized and I love having lists I love ticking things off okay I think it's kind of a little bit OCD but sounds like it we're all with it like I enjoy it it's fine (laughs) I like Um, the idea of sitting in a coffee shop with a laptop and then I get to the coffee shop with my laptop and just sit and people watch yeah well that's part of it too that's part of it too okay that's part of it yeah yeah that's fine (laughs) admin (laughs) inverted commas (laughs) um but yeah I suppose outside of those things I also like playing piano um I go to church every weekend and um, yeah, like to do a bit of reading. So there's lots of different things I do to unwind. Very lots good. of things that I probably should spend more time doing as well. <laughs> oh, where's your I, coffee recommendation? Yes, please. So my go-tos, so these are all in Belfast. So Brew and Beck would be one of them. Have okay. you ever been there? I have not. Oh, okay. It's on the list, Bruin, though. Bruin Where is it? On Lisburn Road. Okay. So I live just off Lisburn Road, so it's so handy. I oh. literally just walk up there um, and sit for, for hours. <laughs> so there's Bruin Beck. Um, 5A would be another one that I always go to. Um, General Merchants. Yes. There's, there's two oh, of them. Yum. Yeah. It's so good. So those would be my top three. And then there's, there's loads of other ones that I also enjoy going to, but I'll not bore you. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds, sounds good. good. Well, I'm definitely hitting brew and bake whenever, whenever we get the other side of this. Is whenever it relatively new? Cause, like, I don't think it was there it's... when I was uni. Yeah, no, I think neither. it's only been there for the past year or so. I could be wrong. It's maybe been there a wee bit longer. Um, but it's, up, it's on Lisburn Road, kind of opposite where Marks and Spencer's is. All right. If you know where that is. Yeah. I know oh. where the Indian is. <laughs> oh, I think it's beside. The, would it be the yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's right opposite. So, because, well, we used to park in Marxies if we couldn't get parked. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Very good. Well, my last question is what is the Netflix recommendation for lockdown? Oh, good question. Um, I'm not a massive um, TV watcher, but over lockdown, I have actually watched a little bit. So Unorthodox is really good. So it's only four episodes. Yeah, only four episodes, but I literally binge watched all of them. (laughs) And like, I wouldn't normally do that, but it was just so interesting. Um, Yeah, no, I, I would really recommend that. Okay. Um, I also I watched Normal People recently as well. I don't know. Have either Never of you watched it? it? No. I haven't even heard it. So, no. Normal People. It's on BBC iPlayer, okay. and it's it's set in Sligo, um, and 
I didn't overly get the hype. Everyone's kind of saying that, oh, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's 12 episodes and it's basically just these two school kids. I'll not, I'll not ruin it for you if you, if you do want to watch it. Um, okay. Yeah, I wasn't overly bothered by it. So have, have a read about it maybe before you watch it. Okay, it's one of those. <laughs> and, and see if, if you want to spend a few hours watching it. Oh, okay. You don't want, you don't so, want the blame. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Yeah. See, we were talking on the last episode um, I think it was the last one if Amy starts something and she still doesn't like it she still has to finish it oh right so you make sure you read up on that one because you don't want to be half an episode in oh, gosh. another 11 and a half to go, or 10 and a half to go. <laughs> oh, the worst the worst to be fair, they're only half an hour long so oh, it's goodness. not actually it's only six and a half hours not even five and a half hours <laughs> it's not too bad then yeah very good so unorthodox and what was that one called sorry normal people normal, normal people. people yeah normal people okay cool um i will definitely well i'll definitely check out unorthodox i might check out yeah. normal people we'll see okay sounds good <laughs> yeah you're not convinced mate <laughs> no no not, if you're telling me to read it first i'm not convinced. <laughs> i i wouldn't watch it again to be honest but i don't know if um, anyone would watch it again <laughs> okay yeah, that was that was not getting watched. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> I might watch a trailer, and that's about the height of it. Yeah. Okay. Good idea. <laughs> okay. Um, Claire Morgan, thank you very much for coming on. Thank no you. Problem. It's been lovely it's been to see you. Yes. No problem. Oh, thanks for having I've me. I've learned a lot. <laughs> learned lots about rugby. <laughs> it's so interesting. It really is. Like I love the the reason what we do this is because like so many people have so many different walks of life and different interests, and it might not be something that you specifically would want to take part in yourself but I'm always interested to hear what people do with their time I think it's so cool just to see what like what people are passionate about or whatever so it, it's been really great thank you oh cool thank you so much so this was an episode for me the rugby knows <laughs> that's okay you got to get your way sometimes yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've, been, I've been building up for this episode for about a year and a half now <laughs> seriously <laughs> until I could oh, drop a rugby good. one in yeah, that's great. Well, hopefully, I didn't talk about too about rugby too much. No, no, it's been brilliant, no, it's really. Perfect amount for me. Yeah, I was, I was happy enough. Don't know about anybody else, but yeah, who really cares? <laughs> really uh, thank you very much. And thank uh, you. I will let you go there. Okay. Grand. All right. Bye. See you later.